What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in and checking out the Hustle the Most podcast. This is episode 23. I'm your host, Wes, and today we're going to talk about how sometimes you just have to roll with the punches. So in the last episode, we talked a little about how sometimes things just don't work out. I was on this amazing tour, I was playing drums, I was on stage every night, playing tons of people, and I was somewhat miserable. I was in limbo. I understand limbo. I get it. Um, I've never been very comfortable in that space. I think looking back, that situation was really just like a wrong place, wrong time. So when the tour was done, I pretty much had a choice. I could move anywhere in the world. There was a brief time where I was kind of entertaining the idea of moving to Prague for a little bit, but uh, short-lived. It only lasted a few days, and I decided to move back to Seattle. I had a lot of great friends there, and I'd fallen in love with that city years and years ago. And so I was just going to go back. It just really made sense for me to regroup in a place that I was really familiar with, a place that I felt like I had some opportunities um, to do something musically. And, you know, Seattle had a really good job market at the time. So if I needed to, like, you know, get a job, I had a, a chance there. So, you know, I changed my flight from LAX to Vegas. And so my older sister lived in Vegas. And so I decided to kind of go there and hang out with her for a bit opposed to kind of going back to Orange County and just kind of figuring it out, right, and being, uh, you know, in a weird spot. So I think I flew out of Heathrow in London. And, you know, it's always weird flying internationally because it's always such a melting pot of people. I mean, everyone is flying to the States, but they're all coming from different places. And sometimes they're just connecting to the airport. So they're connecting through different airports in, in Europe and in the UK. And so the, you know, it's always, it's always interesting. It's just a, it's a fun, it's just different. It's just a fun dynamic, I guess, just to kind of sit and people watch. So the flight back was pretty uneventful. Um, flying 10 hours by yourself across the Atlantic is always something. Uh, it wasn't the first time I had done it. So again, you've got to kind of roll with it, right? And so when I got to Vegas, I still had all my drums in Orange County. So I remember borrowing my sister's car and I drove over to pick up my drums in, in Costa Mesa. And this Tommy lived there from Throwdown and like, um, you know, it was just kind of weird kind of meeting up with him again, not because like we didn't like each other. It was just one of those things like, you know, we tried and we failed and here we are. It's just one of those situations that you're in, you're there, they're there and you're like, okay, well, you know, it is what it is and let's do our business and, you know, carry on. So it was a, it's an interesting to put yourself in those, in those kind of situations and they're not always the most comfortable, but you know, we're, we're still cool today. So it, it, it made it, you know, pretty easy. So, so after a short residence in Vegas, I had to go back to Michigan to get my car and I was now going to drive back out to Seattle. And so I feel like I just made this drive. Like I had just driven back, um, out there, I don't even, you know, just a few years earlier. So this trip out, I had my friend Hizzy roll out to Seattle with me. And he was a dude, Hizzy was a cool dude, man. He was a dude who I hung out with when I was back in Flint, like all the time. He worked as a piercer at this tattoo shop and we just hung out and it was just always just like hanging out, just doing dumb stuff all the time. Um, my boy, Joe Harris was a tattooer there. They were like best friends, grew up together. And so it was just, every time I go back, I would hang out in the shop and just hijinks and mayhem would happen all the time. Like, I always love coming back to hang out with those dudes. Like, Joe and Hizzy were best friends for years and years and years. So, like, their dynamic together was really cool and really always really funny. So, every time I came home, I'd literally, like, drop my stuff and just go hang out at the shop. It wasn't, like, trying to hang out, get tattooed. I was just hanging out. Just, <laughs> we were just, just doing dumb stuff. And so, this tattoo shop is not there anymore. But it was on Dort Highway at the time, which in Flint... 
is a place where like, you know, when I was a kid, you know, my mom would drive down and be like, oh, there's the hookers. There's the hookers. It was like one of those kind of things. Um, but it was the main, it's a main drag in Flint. So people drive down it all the time, even today. I was just told the other day that the hookers have now moved to Fenton Road. So someone's going to have to keep me honest and, t- and tell me if that's true or not. Fenton Road is just a few, um, a few roads, main roads east or west rather of Door Highway. So anyway, it's uh, it, it's it's interesting. That's more closer to like my side of town and where I grew up. So it'd be really interesting to be, you know, going up for ice cream or whatever and see these hookers hanging out at the place. But I guess people on Dart Highway dealt with it for years, and so you know now the people on the south side, I guess, get to deal with it. So anyway, back to the shop. So this shop did a lot of walk-ins, and they would have some of the craziest people coming in there, wanting some of the worst tattoo ideas you can imagine. And th- I mean, this is any shop that has walk-ins, right? This is just this is how it goes. So I remember sitting in the chair behind the counter and this big dude walked in with his shirt unbuttoned and he looked at me and it was like, and I was just sitting there, right? And I would always just kind of sit there like behind the counter because you just could. And so he really rolls up, shirt unbuttoned, and he looked at me like dead in my eye and was like, how much it cost me to get sweet low across my chest? And I'm like, like no size, no font, no artwork. Like my man just wanted a price and his shirt was already half off and he was ready to go. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty much in the chair at that point, which is pretty funny. You know, there's so many of those crazy stories every day. Like I was there, it would just happen. Like every time I was there, I had to restrain myself from just face palming myself and be like, why are people just trying to get these crazy things tattooed on them? Right. So, I mean, that's some of them were pretty ludicrous, right? Some of the stuff was pretty crazy. Sweet and low is pretty, you know, on the low side of the, of the crazy, but it was pretty fun though. It was pretty fun just to be there and hang out. So the shop had a basketball hoop in the back. And it was in this in this alley, and like we used to go out there and like shoot around. And actually, I just did a road trip with my boy Joe the other day, and he actually put it pretty good. He said we kind of did everything we could do to not tattoo, which you know wasn't exactly true. But I guess when you're young and you just want to have fun and you know play basketball, some maybe tattoo some, right? <laughs> it's a it's a mixed bag. So um, there was a hoop in the back behind the shop. And when I say behind the shop, what I really mean is in a super dirty alley that sometimes you would see like homeless people living in it or having sex in it or just doing whatever they were doing in it. So I'm sure we woke up many people playing basketball and screaming and trying to make like dope trick shots. But again, we just roll with it. It was super fun. This is what we did. So this tattoo shop was where I got my first tattoo. It wasn't the best setup, but like we made it work. I remember getting tattooed and I had to lay on this weight bench because Joe didn't have the like a proper table. I mean, he was still new at tattooing. So, I mean, it was awful. Like it was, it was terrible. There was like literally the rack for the weight bench. You know, the two bars that come up was like next to my head and I was laying on my stomach. And (laughs) I mean, it was awful. Like Joe was completely hunched way over trying to tattoo my back. And I mean, we still laugh about it to this day. Like it was it was, he's remember that time I had just like lean over and tattoo and weight bench. And like, as if I would forget, right. <laughs> All these years later, we still laugh about it. Like no matter where he's tattooing at or what he's doing, uh, it's always like a, Hey, remember that time? Anyway. So at the time I was working at, at FedEx and I remember I'd go and like get tattooed for like three hours before my shift. And then I would go unload like trucks and trailers in Pontiac in like 110 degree weather. This is not the best way to heal tattoos. Like, if anyone's wondering, this is not how you do it. I think I did like five or six times before it was finally finished. And every time I would literally go get tattooed and I would put bag balm on my back or bacitracin or whatever it was at the time. And then sometimes we put like a saran wrap over it. I put my shirt on and I would go unload trucks and it would just be all itchy. And 
It was awful. It was just a, just, a bad, just a bad idea all around. You know how it goes. Everyone wants a tattoo from their friend just because a friend now does tattoos. And of course, just starting out, the tattoos probably aren't the best. Joe was the same. Like, this dude's been crushing it for the last 10 or 15 years, doing like the craziest, coolest stuff. And this was well over 20 years ago that we were doing this. So, you know, he had been tattooing for like five minutes and he's like, so what you want to get? And I'm like, oh man, here we go. So, uh, you know, he was almost trying to talk me out of it, which, you know, had he been a better salesman of talking me out of it, I probably wouldn't have some of these tattoos that I have, but that's how it goes. Again, we're just rolling with it. That's the whole theme of this episode, man. We're just rolling with it. So I got to take a minute out though to tell you a story about hanging out at the shop and how for two days I was the most famous dude in Flint. It was like 2004 and MySpace was in full swing. Like everyone's like top eight, top eight. That's a thing. Oh, top 16, right? So I brought my computer to the shop. And at one point I hooked it up with their phone because we didn't have like Wi-Fi at the time at the shop anyway. And so it was literally just straight phone line. And luckily, like I had this Pismo power book, which is like the Wall Street version, the black Apple. The, the way to identify this computer is if you've ever watched Sex and the City, if she's typing on a black Apple computer and the Apple is upside down when it's open. That's how you know which computer that is. He's the only one they made like that. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. The hard drive came out, the battery came out, all these stuff like popped out and you could swap out components, which was pretty crazy at the time. But anyway, that was a, that's another story. So I have this computer and I'm at the shop. I'm hooked up to the internet and I pull up my MySpace page and I was showing Joe and Hizzy like some things on my MySpace. I'm like, oh, I have this. And I had a couple bands on there that, you know, I had been in or was in. And there were four dudes in the front. They were an earshot of us. And I was just showing, you know, these guys like behind the counter and this dude was like, yo, that's you. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, man. I kind of like turn around the computer a little bit. I'm like, yeah, this is me. And this is my page and whatever. And he's like, wait, 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 you're on the internet. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And I just laughed it off. And I was kind of like, you know, just carried on a few days later, I was back at the shop and this dude was in there again with a couple other people. And we were just like, you know, I was sitting behind the counter just talking whatever and they walked up and they were like yo that's a dude i was telling you about from the internet <laughs> and everyone there thought i was like the most famous dude because i was on the internet and they're like yo this dude's on the internet and like it was it was absolute pandemonium and then like i was like no 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 here let me show you it's like this page you can go and set up you have a computer at home or a library whatever you want to do you can actually like you know sign up your own profile and you can create you know your own page and you have music on there and and i showed him like I'm like, yeah, there's this website you can go and actually grab what's called like HTML. And they're like, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's kind of hard to explain. But anyway, you can just put in these codes and you can do different things. And like, here's all the codes. And they were like, oh, that's cool. And then like a week later, this dude showed up and I had my computer there. And he was like, yo, let me show you my page. Let me show you my page. And he was so excited about showing me his page that when I opened it up and connected to the internet, like the page, it took like five minutes to load because he had like money raining down. If you guys remember MySpace, it, you could do all this crazy stuff. He had like money raining down, some big booty like girls bouncing on the thing. Some music came on. It was like all kinds of diamonds floating around. <laughs> it was like, it would probably barely load on like, you know, Wi-Fi and good internet. We were on dial up and it was just like, absolute absolute craziness so i have no idea where those dudes are at now but uh you know i definitely showed them the way apparently of being famous and being on the internet and now they're also famous on the internet so <laughs> so i hung out at the shop for a few days and kind of prepared things you know to get ready to to go to seattle so road trip out man this is this is it we're going we're going out one more time to making the 40-hour drive across the 90 seattle's pretty easy to get to it's literally like 
from Flint, it's, you know, 75, 23 to the 80, 90. And then you take the 90 pretty much for three days. And then you get to the I-5 and you turn right. Like it's, it's that quick, right? You can literally go without a map. It's pretty awesome. Anyway, so Hizzy and I are getting ready, preparing for the trip, and we hopped in the Porsche to go. I had this old Porsche. I used to drive around everywhere, and it was pretty sweet. It was like an 83, and, uh, you know, it was a two-seater. had the little jump seats in the back, and Hizzy is like 6'3", probably 260 at the time, and we're in this little two-seater for like 40 hours, and we also packed a bunch of stuff in the car. He actually had stuff at his feet. I had stuff I wanted to take back with me that was just kind of sitting at my parents' house. And so it was pretty cramped, but like, dude just rolled with it. He just made the best of it. Um, he took lots of photos, you know, all like the touristy stuff. We went on the way out there. We stopped at Wall Drug, took photos of random people on the road, lots of like scenic stuff. We saw the 50 foot dinosaur. Is it 80 foot? I think it's 80 foot dinosaur and Wall Drug, all kinds of cool stuff. So we just drove and drove and drove. We drove, I think we stopped one hotel and then just drove all the way through. 4 a.m. We roll into town, dead tired. We're staying with one of my friends in Tacoma they had extra space and we're just like yep let's go we get there and I'm like unloading my stuff whatever you know and we're we're just there I think we probably brought everything in at night because I was just my flint mentality was like nope I'm not leaving anything in my car right so loading in at like 4 a.m it was just small stuff in the car so it wasn't a big deal but Hizzy stayed out there with us for about 10 days and he was actually pretty hesitant about going back he kept like talking about not going back and I think he changed his flight like once or twice because we were just like having fun and just kind of hanging out, and he was just stoked to be like out of Flint. I can tell you that when you live in a place like we grew up for you know twenty or thirty years, you don't get out of that place very often sometimes. And a new place just seems like an entirely different planet. Like I felt the same way when I moved there. Like from I had moved from Detroit to Tacoma, and it's weird. Like it just sucks you in, and you never want to leave. Like we didn't do anything special. We just kind of kicked it around like different parts of Seattle and Tacoma. Every place to him is new. So like he's just taking it all in, looking at all, looking at all the hills and all the mountains and landscaping. We went to like a few different skate parks and hung out. He didn't skate, but he had like his video camera and he was always trying to like just film stuff and take photos and stuff. And he grabbed, you know, me and my buddy Robbie like skating around doing tricks or whatever. And like, you know, we were just at some park, uh, you know, hanging out. And he was just like, this is the best day of my life. Because he just, you know, it's nice weather. It was in, not in Flint and it was just cool. So I remember we roll up to this park, the skate park in a town called Puyallup in south of Seattle. And, and <laughs> his, his typical Flint style, he'd be like, he's like, we're going to go to the Puyallup skate park. We're going to go Puyallup. <laughs> it was just funny, man. He's just a silly dude, man. You know, so it was awesome hanging out with him out there, man. The dude just had a blast. And I always love bringing people out there that haven't you know been to the pacific northwest before because it's just beautiful man there's lots of cool stuff there's water and there's mountains and desert and all kinds of just awesome stuff especially if you're from the midwest it just all seems just crazy like i said it's just like a different planet you know so you know so it was just it was just fun it was just fun hanging out there with him and and we just had a we just had a great time man and and i wouldn't trade it for anything so fun watching his face light up and see all the the crazy stuff that it's just different, you know, just, uh, just different. So this is my advisory to like, you know, go travel if you haven't traveled. Right. So he's eventually like talked himself into going home. He's like, I should probably go home. And you know, I got family at home and I got a job and all this stuff, but you know, he was, he was pretty close to, uh, to not going back. <laughs> I think if I had him there, like, you know, maybe like another week or so, there was a chance that he was going to start looking for an apartment 
and just kind of sort it out, right? You know, once he he took off and, uh, you know, it was time for me to like kind of figure out, you know, what I was going to do. And so I remember like looking around Tacoma for like apartments and, you know, I thought, you know, I'm, I really don't want to be in Tacoma very long. I wanted to kind of move up to Seattle. So I started looking for apartments in Seattle and, you know, it's, it's only 30 minutes between the two cities, but you know, the traffic up there is so bad sometimes that, you know, a 30 minute commute like we have in the Midwest or 30 mile commute rather can turn into like two or three hours sometimes kind of depends on, you know, the time of day. So anyway, I did a lot of digging around, like looking for work and trying to figure out, you know, what I want to do. And I came up with nothing. I was just like, Hmm, I got to, you know, sort it out. Right. It's, it's, I'm starting over. So I had a thing and it didn't work out. And so we got to start over. I mean, there's a very specific theme to a lot of these episodes and it's around, you know, pulling yourself back up, man, and just trying to figure out what's next and moving forward. It's all about, you know, it's all about hustling, man. It's all about moving forward and, and doing what you need to do to continue to live and have a livelihood and, and, and be happy. So I did a lot of digging around looking for jobs. And I mean, when I say like digging around, like I meant I was, you know, I'd apply for a few things online, look, look on Craigslist, look on Monster. That was like a big thing at the time. And so, and then I would eventually just like, you know, get tired of that. And I would go out skateboarding until dark. So after doing some digging around with like my friends and asking them like, Hey, are you guys hiring people? I knew that had jobs, right? Uh, my friend Sarah called me and asked me if I wanted to work for one day in her store, like painting tables. She worked at the Urban Outfitter store, Fifth Avenue downtown, and they needed like day labor, right? To like paint these tables. They were doing a store reset and she said she needed help. So I was like, yeah, like that sounds fun. I got, you know, nothing going on. So uh, you know, let's give it a go. So she actually lived in Queen Anne, which is um, just a little bit up from downtown. And so like a 20 minute walk, basically down Fifth Avenue from her house. So for me, for like one day, I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to drive up and I'll meet you at your house. They started work at 7am. I think I left my house at like 530 and I would basically drive all the way up to Queen Anne. And then I would walk with her down Fifth Avenue and we would, you know, go to work. So this is my first day. I get there early, we walk down and, you know, this is like a job that, I mean, it's like $10 an hour, right? I'm like $10 an hour. It's a long drive. I'm like, is it, is it super worth it? But again, you know, I had nothing going on, so we're just going to go with it and so see how it goes. It's interesting. This job, like, you know, was for a day. It was one day come in and, you know, you just do it. You're like, okay, you bite the bullet. Some people like, eh, you know, one day, you know, it's, it's all part of a process. So I took the job for one day, came in hung out, painted some tables, just rolled stuff the tables. And then about halfway through the day, one of the managers had come over and be like, Hey, like, do you want to maybe come back tomorrow? And we got more stuff to do. And I'm like, yeah, like that sounds, sounds cool. You know? And then, you know, that day was like, okay, uh, you know, you want to come back the next day? And so for like the next two weeks, I just came back in every day in I just drove up every day. I'll drive back down to Tacoma. It's interesting because people on the West Coast will know this pain that, you know, someone's like, oh, you drove every day from Tacoma to Seattle. That's absolutely insane. But in the Midwest, people drive 30 miles like to get Taco Bell. Like it's just a thing. It's this completely different mentality. And so, you know, here I am doing this job where I'm commuting Midwest style, you know, from Tacoma to Seattle. And, you know, I was there for a week, turned into two weeks, and then eventually it was a month, and then kind of just made that commute work, right? So I finally found an apartment in Seattle. You know, it was interesting. One of the biggest barriers for me finding a place, I wanted to live kind of close to downtown and had a car. So parking in Seattle is a 
complete nightmare. And so most of the apartments like don't have parking. And if they do, it's like a couple hundred bucks a month to park a car. So, you know, when you're like broke or like barely making it and, you know, it's like food, phone bill or, you know, parking, you just got to, you know, you got to make some, make some choices. So luckily I found a place downtown that was only a few blocks away from one of the hidden, like non-zoned, non-metered parking spaces in Seattle. And it's now metered, of course, but you know, at the time I was like, I would just literally just, um, you know, park my car there or leave my car parked there rather. And I would just, you know, walk two blocks to my house. Um, you know, I didn't drive much. So just kind of walked around the city, like everywhere I went. So I'd have to go back like every few days and make sure that my car was like still there. Like, okay, like it's, you know, still there. It's not covered or anything and it's not ticketed or, you know, no flat tires or anything stupid like that. So, um, I actually rented this really cool apartment downtown Seattle on Stewart street. It was a one bedroom. I paid like six fifty a month, which at the time was like absolute steal. And it was actually like nice, good, good location. It was close to work, which was great because I ended up walking to the store and working at that store for four years. <laughs> this is interesting. This is an interesting tidbit is that, you know, sometimes you're like, mm, I'm not going to do this day labor. I'm not going to work for one day and just make, you know, $80 or whatever, $60. But it actually turned into a job for me for four years. That would allow me to like come and go and still go and tour and play music. And it was awesome. It was literally a one day job that turned into a four year gig. Interesting, right? It's interesting to think about. This job, this job gave me a lot of flexibility which would really come in handy like when I was, you know, getting ready to go on tour or, you know, had things come up and I could do these like floor sets with them and, and do painting and kind of design work. And then I would leave for six weeks and go on tour or two weeks or three weeks. And I would come back and walk in and like, okay, yep, I'll be back tomorrow. Okay. And it's just, you know, I'd work for two, three, four weeks, five weeks. Uh, I did that for four years. It was crazy. One day assignment turned into a job for four years. (laughs) We'll get into more of it on the next episode, but I do want to jump into my favorite part of the podcast, which is what did I really learn from all of this? That's, that's always the thing. Like we go through these things. One of the most interesting things is, you know, when you fail or you fall apart or things just like crumble beneath you, you have to figure out like what went wrong and how to avoid it, you know, in the next time, you know, so there's definitely a common thread throughout, you know, all of my podcasts, which is around like taking a chance, rolling the dice, leap of faith, like whatever you want to call it, right? But it's about doing something instead of nothing. It's about growing and changing and seeing what's out there. Nine times out of 10, you can always revert and go back to what you're doing like it never happened. But, you know, if you don't take that chance, you'll never know, right? So, you know, like Hizzy coming out to Seattle with me was him just taking a chance and just rolling the dice and be like, let's see what this is all about. I have no idea. I've never been there, right? I'm not going to like you know, steer him into the freaking lion's den. So, you know, he had a little bit of faith in me, a little bit of trust, which is good. So, you know, like I said, I think another week out there and he would have been living in Seattle. (laughs) That would have been where he lived forever. He felt free and free from all the burdens and the drama and anything else that was really weighing him down. So, you know, every time I'd come home and see him after that trip, we would always talk about the trip and all the crazy stuff that we did together on that trip. We'd all talk about pull y'all up skate park. We talk about going to Taco Del Mar and we talk about all these crazy things that we had done at the times when he was out there. And it wasn't even like crazy stuff. It was really just like normal every day. We're going to go to the park. But to him, it was just like, this is the best thing ever. Right. And we're, we're like, I'm like, we're at a park. He's like, yeah, no, but it's like a great park, you know? So it was pretty cool, man. So, you know, I really learned early on 
you know, it's okay to take a chance. I feel like I've been taking chances all my life. And I have this theory that when you're unemployed and have no prospects, that your time is worth zero. Some people don't agree with that. Some people are like above it or it's something about being humble, right? And saying that, you know what? I'm sitting on my couch, gonna make zero versus I'm gonna go do this thing and make 50, 60, $100, whatever it is. You know, that was a choice for me, like a $10 an hour gig. You know, I could have been like, oh, it's not worth my time and just kind of kept looking. But the reality was I would have just sat there on the couch and made zero. So I feel like it was an easier choice for me to like, you know, choose something over nothing. But again, it really depends on like where your pride lives in that equation. Like it's uh again, it's about being humble and kind of understanding where your place is and what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. It's not the same for everybody. So, you know, looking back on this, I also learned that, you know, you have to build things one piece at a time. Like I was basically rebuilding from scratch and that's pretty overwhelming. Like I had no place to live. I had no job. I had no band. I just took it piece by piece and kind of put it all together like a puzzle. Eventually the outcome was was a pretty picture, right? But it all started with that one single piece. And I think that's what this episode is really all about. I think per usual, I set a land speed record for talking. That was a lot of words and a little bit of time. As always, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Hustle the Most podcast. This was episode 23. Check out more stories, photos, connect with me at hustlethemost.com. We'll see you on the next one. Oh,